0: Welcome to Calvary Chapel of Columbia, where we're unpacking God's truths one verse at a time. And now here's Pastor Tim with today's message. Let's make sure you do that. Love to uh, welcome all those online, those listening on the radio. We're thankful that uh, we have technology to be able to uh, communicate the Word of God and that people can listen to it even after the fact. So so glad you're joining us this morning. For those of you that don't know, I just got back from a mission trip to Kenya and uh, I, I, my good friend, Pastor John, he's here this morning. Uh, he was really my first pastor uh, after I got saved in, in Montana. Uh, his road would take him to Alaska. My road would take me to Florida. And guess what? We met back up in the middle in Tennessee. And so he's from, uh, he lives up in Lebanon, Tennessee. Uh, he was the pastor of Emmanuel Baptist Church up until November of last year. And then he went full time into ministry. He currently works for an organization called. Uh, Christian Missions Network, and uh, they are doing some incredible stuff. Uh, he came down and talked to me about what they were doing in Kenya and said, hey, I have a trip coming up. What, what about going? Let me give you a little bit of a um, you know, rundown of what's happening. Uh, you need to see it, really, to be able to get connected to it. And I couldn't agree any, any, anymore uh, that you really do need to see the mission work that's happening all over the world uh, to really, you know, get a grasp of uh, what God is doing, and it's great to get newsletters, and it's, it's great to have people come and share, but man, let me tell you something. If there was an investment you could ever make in your life, Israel is awesome, and that's great, and you know, the footsteps of Paul tour is awesome, but listen, when you can get on the ground floor of a missions ministry somewhere in the world, and you can see what God is doing, uh, it is so encouraging. It is so encouraging, and it's something that you should uh, be putting away for. You should be investing in so that you can go and see uh, the work that god is doing across uh, the world it's amazing it's amazing that the things that uh, christian dimension network is doing uh, in kenya uh, they really have multiple facets of their ministry uh, i'm going to just give you a brief uh, rundown pastor john's going to come up and he's going to share at some point uh, you know i'm going to have him come and teach on it but uh, this morning i'm just going to give you a brief outline uh, they're currently training 365 pastors They've planted 478 churches. They have 68,037 professions of faith and over 8 million meals given to orphans and widows. And so that really, they're, they're a church planting network. And essentially, whenever you plant a church in a third world country, there's many, many things that come alongside of that. Like you go into a rural area, you go into slums of big cities or whatever, inherently, you're going to find widows Orphans, you're going to find incredible physical needs that need to be met. And so the way that um, most organizations do it is they go in and they plan a church and they take care of those needs. As part of the outreach for the community there is they can come and get a meal or, you know, some, some medical attention. Uh, and then they utilize that to bring the gospel into these people's lives. Lives are changed. They go tell their friends in a church is birthed. And they've done that 4, 478 times. And uh, Pastor John's role in, uh, is really to train pastors, and that's where all of this begins. Uh, I love the fact that they are investing in people to go and take the gospel into these places because, listen, it's the need is great, and people would respond no matter what, but we really need to have people that are trained to go into these places to bring the gospel, that they can share the word of God, and uh, they, they have incredible pastors over there that they're in training right now. Their goal uh, is to really, for this to become its own thing and, and really, you know, as they move into a city, into a country, that the, the people, the indigenous people of that, of that particular country would hopefully begin to, to sustain themselves and be able to reproduce themselves. And eventually, you know, uh, we, can, we can do, they can, this, this missions organization can kind of be a little bit more hands off and uh, it happens there. That, that's really what the Apostle Paul did. If you read through the book of Acts, you can see that Paul went, planted a church, trained up some people, left them there, went on to another city, you know, and, and that's really, it's really the book of Acts that's continuing to happen here, uh, and uh, I'm just, was so thrilled to be able to be part of uh, the team that went over to Kenya, and uh um, it was really eye-opening for me. You know, you can build a church in Kenya for like eight hundred to twelve hundred dollars, eight hundred to twelve hundred bucks. It's hey, it's nothing fancy. It's not you're not gonna have climate control. You're gonna have a roof over your head, probably not even sides on the building, but it's gonna be filled with people that need Jesus that need to hear the Word of God. And so you know, I really look forward to our church becoming a supporter of uh, church missions network, also pastor john and 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 that organization what they're doing um, there in Kenya, and I, I'm very, very excited about it. Uh, I'm going to tell you a little bit about my trip before we get into the word this morning. So we flew into uh, uh, Nairobi, Kenya, and that, we, took it, we then took a domestic flight uh, to, a little, to a city on the uh, west side of Kenya called Kisimu, uh, located on the s- s- south, southwestern side of the country. And uh, um, it's near Lake Victoria, where we were met by our driver named Andrew. You'll see him up here in a second. He was just an amazing guy. Uh, He met us there. He's a a widower, lost his wife 11 years ago, and uh, he has three children. They're all graduated from university, and one of them lives here in Pennsylvania. So I said, dude, if you ever come over, make sure you stop by Tennessee. So hopefully he'll do that. But really, really a a great guy. We drove from Kissamu uh, to to a town... Uh, called Awasi, and there's an, there's an orphanage there called Miracle Power. And uh, that's where we met all these, these, these uh, incredible kids that uh, you'll see pictures on my Facebook of, and you see some here. Um, this, was, this was our last night together, and we took a picture of all of us, and uh, it is just, I mean, unbelievable, these kids. Um, you know, most of them are there uh, because they're at risk for some reason, Either they're at risk of being trafficked. Human trafficking is a huge problem in Kenya. And the, the government is trying to do what they can, but it's still it's a huge problem everywhere. It's a huge problem in our country. But it is a major problem in Kenya. And so a lot of kids, they're, they're at risk for being trafficked. You know, some of them are at risk because they don't have, their parents don't have the ability to take care of them physically. Like they can't feed them. They can't take care of them medically so there's that at risk there's also those who are their parents are dead they're not they don't they don't they're not around so um, miracle power was established to help with that problem to uh, uh, be a place where um, not only do they orphans come in and they they live there and widows as well widows come and work there as well but they um, they also help support uh, tons of kids that do live with their parents but can't go to school because you have to pay to go to school in Kenya. So they help support them and and send them to school, um, you know, financially support them to do that. So it's just a a tremendous, tremendous uh, ministry there in Awasi. and I'll tell you what, man, those kids were just absolutely incredible. I mean, you know, we oftentimes think we're going to be ministers and I'll tell you what, we were ministered to by these children. Like the love that they poured out upon us from day one, the moment we got there. I mean, you know, strangers. And just to see the love of these kids, they're just running at you, jumping all over you. I mean, literally, you want to you see what faith looks like? Show up to an orphanage like this and watch kids just leap in the air, don't know you, and they're just going to expect you to catch them. Like, I mean, it, it's unbelievable. And what was even more fascinating to me was the joy that these children had, the joy that the expression of love that they had. You know, they all have different circumstances going on in their lives, and yet, and they range in ages. I mean, some of these, some of these kids are 13, 14 years old. Some of them are two, three years old, you know? So there's lots of different um, age groups, but, but, but all of them had just an incredible joy and we're just filled with love and to the, to the point where you, you're thinking like, man, I really feel like I'm the one getting the, um, the best out of this situation. Like I'm not here giving them, they're like giving to me. And it's, it, it was just unbelievable. I know everybody on the trip, the highlight of their trip was the fact that we got to interact with these kids. And if we could have done something a little bit longer, all of us would have wanted to be with those kids a little bit longer, you know, to, to just um, spend time with them and... Um, they, they are, uh, then we, on Sunday morning, we traveled from the, that little city of Owasu back towards Kisumu uh, into a rural area where, uh, we had to, here's a picture of us. We're walking into the church. It's about a mile off the road. We had to walk into the church because the roads, which the roads aren't great in the first place, but, uh, they had lots of rain. And so there was many, many mud, big, huge mud pits, you know? So they were waiting for that to dry out, and the the, the pastor there, he, he he did he 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 called Pastor John and he said, and he, John was saying, hey, I don't know if we're going to be able to make it. I understand the roads are kind of bad. He's oh no, they're good, they're good, they weren't good. He lied to him because he wanted us to come out there so so bad, and uh, you know I, I guess if you know there is no acceptable lie, but you know we're we We'll let that one slide because we wanted to be there too but but we did have to walk into the church there, and uh, that was us doing it I had uh, an opportunity to uh preach there and uh you you can see me pre- preaching there, and then you can see the next slide is a picture of the result of my preaching, which is pretty typical but um you see that yeah, there uh, pretty typical i I can put people to sleep, so if you need a good nap, just pop on my podcast and uh, that'll help you um but the, the service was really incredible because what, what we saw was really what I believe to be kind of an, an Acts 2 type church. And, you know, the, the, the church was, was so interactive. It wasn't about one person. Yes, there's a pastor. His name's Pastor Tom. And uh, there were worship leaders. And, you know, there was children's ministry and all these things. But it was so interactive that you know, you step in and they were. We were walking up the road and we could hear the worship. These people sing, like they sing. They don't hold back. And uh, if you can't sing, it does not matter. You sing. And so we could hear the singing. And what was interesting was that they would. There was the the worship leaders were sitting in the seats, like someone would just stand up a, over here and starts leading a song. Someone over here would start leading a song. That's uh, kind of what First First Corinthians chapter fourteen says that we would share a spiritual song with one another, right? And then, and then right after we moved out of worship, they did a little children's program for us. And then after that, uh, they went into a time of brief testimony, like, you know, allowing people in the body to stand and say, hey, what's God doing in your life? We had like three or four people stood up and just talked about the faithfulness of God and how he's just working in their lives, encouraging the body of Christ. Like this is, these are things that, you know, we, we ought to be doing with one another, but it should be done in a corporate setting as well. So get your stories ready because we're going to start doing that. But And, and we've, been, we've been kind of doing it, but, w- but I would love to do that. Just take a few, you know, two to three minutes and just share what God is doing in your life because we need to hear it. You know, you don't hold on to those things. That's why they're called testimonies. So you can testify of what God is doing. And they were certainly testifying about what God was doing there in their lives. And and then the word was brought forth and and... People were encouraged by the word. And then uh, right after that, dude, we, we all went outside. And, and like, like the Bible says, you know, they broke bread together. Here, it, this is the biggest pot of beans and rice that I've ever seen in my life. Like these, you know, you have six guys carrying this stuff out. It's so big. And uh, we had an opportunity to, um, to serve these people. And what, how humbling. Here's a little clip of us uh, serving the, the, the people here. There I am, standing around the back, doing nothing. Hey, what's that guy doing? (laughs) Actually, the guy with the sunglasses, that's uh, Pastor John's son, Zimmer. So he went on the trip with us. You see the people? You see the joy on their face? Man, they are so excited and so blessed, man. Huh? Awesome. Awesome. That, it was so cool to do that. Um we 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 left there and went back to uh Miracle Power. Um the next day we um went to a pastor's gathering. In a place called Chimalil and uh, it, it actually hosts. Just in case you're wondering, it hosts the the largest roundabout in the world. So it's a gigantic circle. It's just you know, just some interesting facts along the way here. I won't charge you for that; it's free. But um, it, it was cool because there was about 20 key leaders there, 20 pastors from the area that came. Uh, also, the, the, they asked if the ladies, some of the ladies' leadership of the um, you know, women's ministry and various different um, ladies that were prominent in the church that are working there that if they could come and you know when when you when you host a gathering like this you know you have to pay for these people to get there because they don't have the finances to be able to do this most of their pastors are bivocational what does that mean that means they have a job and they and they pastor a church and that is incredibly hard I've done it and I know how that is but um these guys are you know just barely supporting their families and then so you, you help to the support them to get them to these places so they can be encouraged. And uh, so Pastor John said of course the ladies can come and, and this was actually one of the cultural issues that's going on in the church there in uh, um, that area is you know just this, this, this concept of uh, women and what, where their place is in the church. It, it, they, they have a very very low place in society in the first place in Kenya they have a very, very it's similar to the Middle East and you know other places that don't don't honor and and uh, you know uphold women and and they definitely don't feel like they have a ton of value and so Pastor John taught from a, a passage in Acts chapter one where you look at verse 14 and it's it's them in the upper room and it says and the women were there and he talked about the the importance of women in the church and how. You know, God, is, God uses women. There were women at, at Pentecost, and there's various different women mentioned in the, the New Testament and how they should be respected and valued as equals. Positionally, they have different roles in the church, but in terms of human beings, men are not over women. They're not greater than women. We are equal, and uh, this is something that needs to be, um, you know, taught in, in Africa, uh, even within the churches, Pastor John was telling me that they, they still, when they had a pastor's gathering, he said, listen, um, one of the things that you pastors need to understand, you pastors, so you can no longer discipline your wives, meaning you can't beat them, you can't abuse them, you can't, you know, give them a spanking or whatever it is. These are things that culturally are going on, but even the pastors have to grow through the culture. And uh, so it was quite amazing to see. It was a great message on, you know, really the, the, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit and how we, we need the Holy Spirit to move forward in ministry and that these guys are going to go nowhere, just like you're going to go nowhere, just like I'm going to go nowhere without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. We're not going to be able to, to do the kind of things that God wants us to do without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And so it was a great reminder of that. I also was able to um, lead worship there, which was really cool. I taught them a few songs, but uh, I want to show this clip not because I'm leading worship, but because they're, the, listen to the people. They don't know these songs, and yet they want to worship God. And what was interesting was the power went out right in the middle of, of this song, and that's the clip here, but, but listen to the people. That's what I want you to focus on is the people here. And you could hear the sound came on right there, right at the very end. The sound, the power clicked back on. It was raining, and uh, we lost power. And so it was. Uh, but but the people, man, they want to worship. After that, immediately, a couple of the worship leaders came up to me and said, "Hey, man, can uh, can we connect? And can we get you know some of these worship songs and all of that And there?" They're actually they were saying we're just hosting this interdenominational worship night on the 22nd of November, which just happened. On Friday, the guy emailed me. Said it went fantastic. It was awesome. Various different churches came together. They they got into a room and they just worshipped God. And so uh, you know, there's an opportunity. I I really would love to take a worship team over there and to just really bless their socks off. And um, you know, hopefully we'll be able to do that. I would love to be able to do that. And but it was incredible to just see the the hunger to worship God. And you know, they they want to learn different things and. Guys are, you know, wanting to learn guitar and, and all this kind of stuff. So there's definitely a hunger there. Um, after that, we went to uh, um, a place called uh, Mas- Masimara, and it's a national reserve. It's where you have safari and stuff. But there's, a, there's an indigenous people there called the Maasai tribe, and uh, they, they live in that region. And it's very primitive um, living. You can see this. This is how they dress. This is a Maasai warrior right here. He's a guy. You see the the knife on the side there. You can buy those from him. Pay 20 bucks for that thing. And we we bought six. We weren't sure if the guy was coming back. He took our money. And he's a warrior, so equals. You know what? You just let him go. Hopefully he shows back up because you're not going to do anything about that. But um, so but he did show up. But but they were they're very primitive people. They don't you know they live in huts and uh they don't have running water. They don't have obviously climate control. They don't have. Uh, the, the, the things that we would say are kind of n- the norm for us, right? Not, not at all the case. This is the way they live. And, in, and it was interesting when we got to Nairobi, back to Nairobi, we, uh, I met a guy from Germany. And the guy from Germany said that, uh, it, it, listen to this. This, this is interesting. You, you think that, you know, he would have gone over there in order to really, really, for God to draw him back to the Lord. But he went over there on a safari with his wife, he said he, he, he got to know these Maas, Maasai people and, and was starting to understand their culture. What are they, how do they, how do they live? Like, how do they educate their kids? And he found out that their kids go to school maybe three months out of the year if they can. A the majority of them don't have the capacity to go to school, so they don't. So they're stuck. There's no way for them to really, you know, kind of climb the ladder in life. They're going to stay right where they are because there's no way out for them. And this, this guy told me that he, he got so touched by these children and by these people that he, got, he was drawn back to the Lord. He's from Germany. He's on a safari. And God uses the, these people to draw his heart back to a place of where he, he's following the Lord. And he said, I've got to do something about this. I can't keep, uh, you know, I can't, with the information that I know, I, I, it's sinful for me not to do anything about it. And so he, he's now in process of setting up some schools to educate these kids. And uh, he he's currently has a place where they board them, 238 males, 238 females. And he's boarding them, teaching them the Bible, teaching them to read and write. And uh, just all because he went on a safari, you know, to, to see some animals in Africa. Is that amazing? God can use anything, man. You know, and, and so oftentimes we're looking for something way bigger and it's right before us, right, and if we'll just be a little sensitive to the holy spirit he'll he'll unveil uh you know his heart for us, and what an amazing thing and then um, we were obviously able to see some animals there, um, various different things, pretty cool uh to see god's creation and uh and then uh that was pretty much our trip we had this is the team that we went with um, we have uh this guy, Josh Beveridge, on the left, he's from Anchorage, Alaska. Zoomer Hun is Pastor John's son. He's, he's living up in Lebanon. Gary lives up in Lebanon. Pastor John's in the middle. Got got to take my son Jude, which was awesome. That was such an incredible trip for us. And then uh, uh, Peyton McCollum, McCollum? McCollum he, he lives in Chattanooga, myself. And, and listen, what was cool, too, is that, you know, um, just the friendships that were... Uh, made there you know I love those guys those and and here's something else that, that you need to hear like I went into this trip going you know and I told him which was interesting like I think all men are dogs period period if that insults you I'm sorry but and, and so I, I told him that and actually Josh is dating uh, John's daughter so that probably didn't go over well for him he's thinking man what's this guy doing he's ruining it and but but he was kind to me anyway But what i found was that these guys the character of christ every one of them the character of christ in them was was you know restored my faith in in young christian men man that there are guys out there that are living for the lord that care about the lord that want to do the right things and are walking through the process and so if you're a parent and you have a daughter like i do that that's a big deal and that's something that's concerning to me and you know, the Lord used this in just so many different little ways, you know, to encourage us. But man, these guys are awesome. I hope that we can do that again at some point. And it was just a huge blessing to be able to go there. All, um, you know, I would love, to, I'm going to share a little bit more with you as time goes on about how we're going to get involved with the mission and uh, what we're going to do as a church. And I hope that you will consider. Uh, even, you know, even right now you, you could start saving because we're going to go on a mission trip over there. And so it's, you know, we're going to be part of this and see what the Lord's going to do over there. I mean, it's, it's there's just so much, the, the need is so great. Like, it's so great. And that's across the world, I know that. But there's certain countries or certain places that God puts on your heart and you're like, you know, I've been other places and, uh, you know, I can tell you truly that for whatever reason this place there's something that we as a church need to be doing in kenya there's something that god is going to do there so we'll you'll you'll see more as, as time goes on here about how we're going to be involved in it i would love to build some churches over there i would love to take missions teams over there and uh you know see what the lord will do so you can be praying about that um so uh, we're gonna we're gonna go into our bible study this morning now and uh uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. If you have a Bible open up there, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We're only going to be here for another at least two hours, so no worries. Um, <laughs> we're going to look at four, four uh, chapter uh, verses 1 through 12 this morning. Uh, thank. What wasn't Pastor Mike's message last week good? It was a good message, wasn't it? It was, it was really good. You know, th- this is the second time the guy forgot his Bible coming into the pulpit. Thinking, what is wrong with this guy, man? He needs to have one of those things on his hip that says, here's the Bible. You know, you just pull it off. But 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and as we come to this chapter, um, there is an exhortation that Paul gives to these believers in Thessalonica to keep on walking, keep on walking. That's the title of my message this morning. And although this church was thriving in the midst of persecution and chaos, Paul knew that there was a tendency for man to get complacent. In their walk with the Lord, and so he exhorts this church. Do not take your foot off the pedal, keep on walking. And so stand with me real quick. We're gonna read First Thessalonians chapter four, verses one through twelve. Finally, then brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus. That as you receive from us, how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you're doing, that you do so more and more. Father, we thank you for your word this morning and we thank you for the exhortation that is contained in these verses. We know that you are speaking to us, although this is a letter to a church that existed 2,000 years ago. This is also a letter that is written to us. And these words are meant to impact our lives this morning. And so we humble ourselves, Lord. We ask that your Holy Spirit speak to us. We pray that you would make your message clear to each one of us as it relates to us in our walk with you. Will you draw our hearts, Lord, to a place where you can truly do work in us this morning, Lord. We We don't want to leave the same people. There's different needs in this place. You know them all. You're here to minister. And so we ask that you come by your spirit now and speak to your people in Jesus' name. Amen. This is a really relevant exhortation because the majority of the church at large is in a state of complacency. How, how can I say that? Why would you, what would make me say something like that? Statistics would make me say something like that. Did you know, according to the Barna Group, only 37% of Christians read their Bibles regularly. 37%. It's an 8% drop over the past decade. We have way more Bible translations today than we ever have, and less people are reading the Bible. And there's people in Kenya majority of people in kenya don't even have a bible it costs nine dollars for a bible and they can't afford a bible And we have like probably ten at home or five at home or two at home whatever we we don't have a bible problem we have a, a reading the bible problem only 20 percent of people volunteer in the local church in the past decade only 42 percent of christians attend church regularly. Again, a 7% drop in the last 10 years. Four out of 10 people who call themselves Christians do not attend church at all. Four out of 10 people. I don't need church. Really? You don't need church? We need each other. You do need church. You need relationship. You need to, to be with God's people and to sit in God's presence. And, and many people have forgotten the whole point of why we come to church It's to glorify God. It's to give praise and honor and glory to the one who created you. That's why we come. We're coming to to, to get something. We're coming for the wrong reason. We're coming to give something. We're coming to to give worship to God. We're coming to give adoration to God, to give thanks to God, to to give all that we can to Him because He's worthy. 42% of people have missed the point completely. Completely. Or 4 out of 40%, 4 out of 10 people. 7 out of 10 people aren't involved in any kind of fellowship outside of a Sunday morning. 70% people. So we just need a couple hours on Sunday morning. We're good, man. Christ in me, the hope of glory, and I'm going to go into the world, into a dark place, and I'm going to shine my light without any light coming into me the rest of the week. We know how that works, right? Not too good doesn't work too good according to the same polls there are according to the same people polled, there was a 41 percent there was I don't even know what that stat is yeah 78 we'll just go with that anyway the, the, the point of it is is this that there people are fooling themselves man you know, we're living in a culture that is totally deceived when it comes to worship, when it comes to what Christianity is all about. And listen, the further we go down this track, the worse it's going to get. So don't be part of these statistics. Like, obviously, you're here this morning, and that's awesome, but, but listen, you've got to stay the course. There is a great, great chance that if you let your foot off the pedal, that you will become complacent, and who knows if you'll be here next year. Who knows where you'll be. Right? If we don't keep pressing into God, if we don't keep pursuing Him, we will become complacent, and that will never, ever take us down a good road. There are many, 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 many people who have said, man... A year ago, I was walking strong with the Lord. Now I'm not even sure if I believe. What in the world? How can you go from there to there? Complacency. Thinking you're further along than you really are. Thinking that, you know, you know a little bit more than you really do. That's what I love about the Apostle Paul. You know, the the, the further down the road that the dude got, the more sinful he understood himself to be. You know that? By the time he gets to the end of his life, he says, I am the chief of all sinners. Did he just say that? No, I think it was an evolution as he continued to walk down the road, this progressive understanding of saying, man, I'm bad. Man, I'm bad. Man, I'm bad. The closer you get to the Lord, listen, the more sinful you'll see yourself to be. And that's where grace comes. And that's where thankfulness comes, where you really recognize, like, God, you really do love me because I see myself as I really am to some degree, and you still want me. How amazing. It's the grace of God. The more we continue on to walk down that road, if we're not not progressing in the Lord, if we're not growing, then listen, we're going to be in great danger. Great danger. There is a need today for believers to rise up and and not just walk with the knowledge of God, but with this with this practical faith every day applying the word of God into your life. Being Jesus to people. That's our call. We're called to be salt and light to the world. <laughs> and yet, somehow. You know, we think a couple hours on Sunday morning is good. We're good. We're good enough. Good enough for the rest of the week. Man, I don't know about you, but I need more than that. And I know the Bible declares that we need more than that. We need each other. We have to bind together and walk in unity together with one purpose, to, to glorify Him. It's a dark place out there, man. Paul is exhorting this church in Thessalonica to keep going, to keep, keep on walking. It's not that they're not doing that. But he's saying, "Hey, beware. There will come a point in your walk where you're going to have to make a decision on whether you're going to you're going to progress forward or you're going to slide backward. There will come a time and you'll have you you'll come across those forks in the road in your Christian walk over and over and over again. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Maybe you're today you're walking down that road and it's it's an easy walk and you're loving the Lord and you're doing all the right things and, you know, you're reading your Bible, you're in fellowship with people and all that, and it's just, hey, man, this is great. Awesome. But keep on walking. Keep on doing what you're doing. Don't ever stop. Some of us, we were walking along the road and, you know, you ever read that um, that book, Pilgrim's Progress? You know, where, where they're walking along the road and they get they get sucked into the this this field of of i don't know if it's lilies or flowers or something he's like oh i'm just i'm just so tired i just need to take a nap and 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 hopefully thankfully his friend tells him hey dude don't you dare fall asleep you fall asleep it's over it's over you got to keep moving and you got to keep moving as a christian and that's what paul's telling these believers don't ever think that you've arrived spiritually don't ever think that you've reached your town enough or your family enough or those people in your life enough. Oh, I've reached them enough. No, there's more to do. Listen, we are called to be workmen. 2 Timothy 2.15. Not ashamed, but rightly dividing the word of truth. We're called to be workmen. We're at work. God has work for us to do right now. And we need to be faithful. To that and, and so he's telling this church man keep on walking there's three three different things that he uh, three different divisions I made in this this text first is uh, Paul is asking and urging and then he's instructing and warning and finally exhorting and encouraging first asking and urging in verse 1 he says finally this is where Paul is turning he's shifting the topic from what he had observed and heard from Timothy now to what he believes these believers need to hear Finally, let me tell you something now. Finally, then, brothers, we ask and urge you and the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us that you ought to walk and to please God just as you're doing, that you do so more and more. Paul goes on to tell these guys that they have to continue to walk in faith and love. For Listen, this is what pleases God. What pleases God? When you walk by faith, the Bible says so itself, of Hebrews chapter eleven, verse six. For it is impossible to what please God without faith. It's impossible to please God without faith. Not only that, but love is the greatest attribute of the Christian life. Like Paul writes in First Corinthians thirteen, he says, "Man, if you have all these great gifts and you have faith and you have hope and all this stuff, but you don't have love." all of its a clanging symbol he says love is the greatest of all these gifts love christ was loving and therefore he was pleasing to god christ you know displayed god's love and so too must you and i ephesians chapter 5 verse 2 and walk in love as christ lived us Loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Christ pleased God because he walked in love, and, and we need to do that as well. God is pleased when we walk in faith and in love. And these guys were already doing this. Paul says, We'll keep on doing it. He's asking and urging them to keep on going. It, the word asking there, it, it's literally a humble request. This is the Apostle Paul, and he's asking them. He, he's humbly coming before them, saying, Hey, I, I just I, I gently, kindly, humbly asking you to keep on walking with the Lord. Just keep on doing what you're doing. Not only that, but then he's also urging them. This word's used twice in these 12 verses, to urge. It means to exhort. Now, it can mean to command, but that's not how he's using it here. He's not commanding them. He could. He could command them. He's an apostle. He has apostolic authority to command them. But rather than command them, he is exhorting them. He's encouraging them. It's way more gentle. He's encouraging them because he cares about them and he wants them to understand that the best thing for them is to keep on walking, to keep on walking. This is a, really a display of what a good leader does. A good leader doesn't command people who are already doing what they're supposed to be doing. He exhorts them. He encourages them. He doesn't flex his authoritative muscles and say, hey, you need to be doing this. And I'll tell you, Christians are famous for this. We're always, uh, you know, we're always focusing on the negative. We're never, you know, as a parent, Honest, how, how many times do you encourage your kids on all the good things that they're doing versus how many times you point out all the wrong things that they're doing, right? The Christian life is no different. We do that often. Oh, well, this person's cool, but, you know, they're... Or, you know, I, I love the faith of this person, but... And we want to point out something negative. How about we just encourage what they are doing right? How about we encourage each other and build each other up and not tear each other down? Paul was good at this. He knew when to flex his authoritative muscles and when not to. And here he says, man, I'm just, I'm literally on my knees asking, exhorting you to keep on walking because, man, if you do, the fruit you will see is going to be amazing. But if you don't, you're going to die spiritually you're going to die. I don't need to read my bible today. Oh. Really? You can get by living on yesterday's manna. No, you need today's manna. And the word of God is faithful to meet us where we where where we where we're going to be or where we are. Isn't it amazing how you go through your day and you're like, "Oh, I was just reading this this morning. I guess this is for you." Listen, we need Daily bread, daily bread, not just Sunday bread or every other day bread. Like as much bread as you can get. You should be carved up as a Christian, man. You should be so in- in- inflamed from all the carbs you've been in- ingesting in the bread of, the, of, of this, of the text of God, of the, the, the word of God. Paul's telling the man, keep on doing what you're doing? Why, why does he say that? Because he knows what will happen if they take their foot off. The, he knows the dangers that lie ahead of any Christian, because he's walked the road. Listen to what. Listen to his condition as he's writing this letter to these people in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 3, in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. That's how he came to the Corinthians. That's where he is as he's writing this letter. He came to them in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. Why? He just got done being beaten up multiple times. Tons of afflictions, persecution. Everywhere he turned, he was faced with people that wanted to kill him. Tell me that doesn't get a little discouraging. And Paul is telling these believers, there's going to come a point in your walk with Jesus where faith and love don't look so appealing. Where you want to just push back and go hide or, you know, just say, hey, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to stop sharing my faith with because people don't want to hear it. So what? Share your faith anyway, not obnoxiously. But faithfully, be faithful. Listen, you have no idea what God is doing in somebody's heart, and if he puts on your heart in a moment to tell somebody about the Lord, man, listen, there's a reason for that. The Holy Spirit might be urging you, prodding you to say something that God has set up for you from the foundation of the the world. And so don't be afraid to say it. It might cost you a friend. But listen, I would much rather be faithful to God and lose a friend than not be faithful to God and see my friend go to hell. I mean, there's no comparison. Or maybe not even go to hell. Maybe just go down a bad road. Or maybe they need a word of encouragement. And you have it and you're not giving it out. Listen, be faithful. Paul knows the dangers of what will happen to these guys. They will succumb to complacency which will end up totally seizing the work that's going on there in Thessalonica. Notice he says he's asking and urging in the Lord. These aren't his words. This isn't his heart. This isn't his desire. This is from the Lord. He's saying, man, Jesus is asking you to do this, not me. The Lord, I'm urging you in the Lord that what you receive from us that you continue to walk in so, so he. if I draw your attention back to chapter 1 where Paul says these people, you know, again, they, they hadn't been discipled very well. Not, not very well, I shouldn't say it like that. They hadn't had a lot of time to be discipled because Paul and Silas and Timothy got pushed out of Thessalonica. And so they had a, they had a little bit of knowledge. The knowledge that they had was enough for Paul to say, just keep doing what you know. Just keep doing what you know. And and it's evident to us that the things that they know is to walk in faith and to love each other. Those are the two things that he mentions in chapter 1. Listen, these guys are doing so well with the little that they do know that the entire region of Macedonia is talking about them. They're, They're like saying, man, those people in Thessalonica, man, they're changing the world. How are they changing the world? Faith and love. Faith and love. God wants to encourage you this morning that you can change the world if you walk in faith and in love. You can change the world. Listen, there, there's there's at least five to six times more people in this room right now than Jesus had his disciples, and he turned the world upside down. What can he do with us if we walk by faith in love? Really, what could God do with us? He could Turn Columbia upside down for real. Like no joke. So let's do that. Let's walk by faith and walk in love. You don't have to know much more than that, folks. This is really the Christian, uh, everything that it boils down to is, you know, the Lord's going to put things in your path that are going to require faith. Walk by faith, you know, and and then just love people. You know, the, the one thing that was inspiring to me on our missions trip was, Watching Pastor John love people. I don't say that because he's here. The dude high fives, everybody. Everybody. Every person in Kenya is like, hey dude, high-five him. You, it's a display of love. Just simple things, man. Put a smile on people's faces. And then you have a door open up that, that allows you the opportunity to share the gospel. We're having coffee up at the um, up at our, you know, in our hotel, and this lady came by and And we just, he started having a conversation with her. Next thing you know, we're talking about, do you have a relationship with Jesus? That's how simple it is if you're on mission. Like if you're on mission, God's gonna, and here's the thing, she said, oh, I was born a Christian. Well, let's, let's explain this a little bit. So we had an opportunity to share with her that you have to be born again. Nobody's born a Christian. There's Catholicism is a big part of Kenya as well. You have to be born again. There are opportunities all around you. If you will walk by faith in love, you will see windows and doors open up for you to bring the gospel into people's hearts that need to hear it. Paul was asking and urging these people. Not only that, but he was also instructing and warning. Look at verse 2. For you know that what instructions we gave you through the, the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passions of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter. Because the Lord is an avenger in all these things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. <coughs> For God has not... That didn't even block it. I tried to like hold... Yeah. <laughs> Uh, for God, verse 7, For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. <clears throat> Every culture has a sin issue. Every culture has a sin issue. In Russia, Russia, is, Russia the, 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 I don't know, I'm not going to say the, the largest sin issue, but a very prevalent sin issue in Russia is is abortion. 37% of women have abortions in Russia. It's the highest place for abortions to occur. Kazakhstan is number two, or no, Cuba is number two. Kazakhstan is number, you know, America's down the pole, folks. We think we have an abortion problem here. There is huge, there's places all over the world that are facing this. Russia, Kazakhstan, Cuba, all over the world, and they are way, they're, they're doubling. abortions that we're having in this country i mean every culture has sin issues that are prevalent to that culture you know abortion's a a global issue you know a lot a lot everything is common every, every sin is common to man but but some cultures have have a certain prevalence of types of sin and in this particular case thessalonica thank you man Thessalonica, there, the, the thing that was going on there was sexual immorality. Sexual morality was a huge issue in Thessalonica, and that's why Paul says, I need to instruct you on the will of God regarding this church. He said, what is, what is the will of God? Your sanctification. You know what that means, sanctification? It means to be set apart you know, you could substitute that word for holiness. Holiness, sanctification, same idea, to be set apart. God is holy. What does that mean? That means that he is completely separate from anything that we know. Like he is of, I like the way Louis Giglio says it, of a completely other. In other words, there's God and then there's man. Two different categories. God is of a completely other. He is Holy. He's holy, therefore, we're called to be holy, sanctified, to be set apart. And listen, we as Christians, we are vertically sanctified already. We are holy before God. Our sins are forgiven. We are cleansed. But practically speaking on the horizontal as we walk out our salvation, it's a process called sanctification. Like God is constantly bringing up things that we need to deal with in our lives. You know, and just when you think that you've nailed that, God brings it right back around. Oh, here's a different angle in that. Or sometimes it's just like, dude, you don't get it. Like you're doing the same thing. And, and so God is faithful to, 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 to bring us to a place of complete separation, to, to bring it to a place of, of helping us understand that we need to cut off certain things in our lives because they are diluting Christ in us and also our testimony to people around us. Paul says if you guys want to be effective you must you must be sanctified. That means you have to be cut off from your culture. You can't be the same of the culture. You know what the problem is with the church today is the church is just like the culture. We're paralleling the culture. We're supposed to be completely different than the culture. Why are we having conversations about abortion, about homosexuality, about all these kinds of things? Because we want to parallel the culture. Listen, the church is Christ, not ours. We don't get to decide what it's supposed to look like, how we're supposed to live it out. We're just called to be obedient to the word of God and what he said for us to do. And he said, abstain from sexual morality. That's what he said. Abstain from sexual morality. That word Pornania, literally, could be translated pornography. Any kind of sexual act that is outside of what God confines as appropriate sexual conduct is sexual immorality. And here's the reality is we want to we kind of dilute this term and we want to tell, you know, kind of put different categories together on what is acceptable and what is not. Sexual immorality, period, is not acceptable. It's not acceptable to have uh, sex before you're married. That's not acceptable. Oh, well where does it say that in the Bible? Sexual immorality, that's where it says it. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verse or 6 verse 9. Those who practice homosexuality or sexual immorality will not inherit the kingdom of God. Why? Because regenerated people care about glorifying God. It doesn't mean that you won't struggle with Sexual immorality, what it means is that you won't live there. That you're not going to live in that place. Listen, 70% of Christians struggle with pornography, man. 70%. This is not a joke. Like, this is a cultural issue that people don't want to talk about. How many times have you heard uh, from the pulpit, you know, hey, listen, Christians, stop looking at porn, period. Period. (laughs) <laughs> How many times do you hear that? Not much, but it's a huge issue. Why? Because, man, we're sinners, and our culture is so licentious, man. You can't even turn the TV on without seeing something that's going to cause some kind of arousal. Some, that's the point. That's what they're trying to do. So if you can't handle that, get rid of your TV. If you can't handle your Internet, get rid of your Internet. Cut it off, Jesus said. Whatever causes you to sin, get rid of it. Oh, that sounds a little extreme. No, okay, you want to parallel the culture, don't you? You want to walk alongside of the culture. You're going to be sucked into the culture. You'll be just like people. You can't be salt and light if you're just like everybody else. If you're walking in darkness, you cannot be the light to people. And that's why Paul's saying, abstain from sexual immorality. Don't get sucked into what the world's doing. In that culture in Thessalonica, man, sexual immorality was prevalent. They had, uh, you know... In their, in their acts of worship to these false gods, this Roman Greek culture that had all kinds of temples set up with temple prostitutes, and that's, that was a form of worship. Sexual morality was a form of worship. Not only that, then these prostitutes would make their way down into the city at night, and they would lure people. And so, and, and so he, you know, Paul tells these guys, listen, don't get sucked into the culture. It's a sexually immoral culture. The church has to be separate. It has to be separate. He says, abstain from sexual immorality, verse 4, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor. We are made new in Christ. Listen, to some degree, as an unbeliever, You have an excuse. You have no ability to control yourself. Sinful nature is prevalent in your life. You have no Holy Spirit power inside of you to live the right way. And so why does it surprise us when the world wants to live apart from God? Why is that such a revelation to us? Why is that shocking and appalling to us? There's sinful people. There's a sin nature there that hasn't been redeemed. It hasn't been, you know, paid for. And therefore, people are going to sin debaucherously but not you. You've been changed. You're no longer the same. You're called to walk in newness of life. Paul is saying, listen, you, you, have, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. You have the capacity to control yourself. Notice what he didn't say. Oh, it'll be easy. Oh, it'll be real, real easy to control yourself. That's not what he said. What he did say control yourself and it's assumed it's it's automatically assumed that you know how you're gonna do that how are you gonna do that by the power of the Holy Spirit you can't do it in your flesh you cannot do that on your own he tells a man when you control yourself you will look different than the Gentiles who do not know how to control themselves oh by the way who do not know God People that know God are in a different category in terms of accountability when it comes to sexual morality than people who don't, period. Yes, you're a sinner. Yes, you've been redeemed by grace. The blood of Christ washed you. But you've been empowered. You've been filled with the Holy Spirit. He lives inside of you. And therefore, you have the power to control these things. And he's telling you, man, honor or control your bodies in holiness and honor because you know the Lord and you have the Lord inside of you. The instruction is clear here. He tells them abstain from sexual morality, right? But now he goes on to the warning. Don't you dare transgress against a brother and a sister sexually. Don't you dare do it. Don't you dare sin against a brother and a sister in this manner. Why? Because God will avenge them. God is an avenger far greater than Thor, far greater than Iron Man or any of those other jokers. The Lord is an avenger. He cares about his kids. Listen, we were literally 15 feet away from a a pack of lionesses. I don't even know if you call it that with a bunch of cubs tell me for a second if I would have stepped out and tried to grab one of those cubs what would have happened to me I've been torn to shreds God cares about his kids he cares about them Paul is warning these guys man don't take this lightly God has not called us for impurity but in holiness therefore whoever disregards this disregards not man but God who gives this holy spirit to you who are you listening to <laughs> if you are listening to things like it's okay to be a homosexual homosexual or it's okay to have sex before you're married or it's okay to look at pornography or it's okay to do these things you're not following god you're following man and that's what he's saying who are you listening to listen to god Listen, every circumstance and situation you come across in your life, I don't care where you go, if you go to a friend, a, another brother in Christ or whatever, the one thing that you better make sure you're doing is lining up what, what, whatever's being said with Scripture, whatever your thoughts are with Scripture. What does the Bible say about what I'm thinking about this? And if you don't know, find somebody that is spiritually mature that you can talk through whatever it is that you're struggling with. Hey, This is what I'm thinking. Is this biblical? Because remember, we care more about, I have to remind myself, probably remind you, that we care more about what God thinks than what we think, right? We care more about what God thinks than what our culture thinks. We care more about what God thinks in general, period, than anyone else. Paul is emphasizing our call to holiness, again, to be set apart. Not only is he asking and urging, instructing and warning, but he's also exhorting and encouraging look at verse 9 now concerning brotherly love you have no need for any of you to write any, any you need have no need for anyone to write to you for you yourselves have been taught by god to love one another for that indeed is what you are doing and all the brothers throughout macedonia but we urge you brothers to do this more and more i love that paul says that to this church i don't need to write to you about love wouldn't that be awesome if somebody could write that about you I don't need to write to you. I don't need to instruct you. I don't need to encourage you about love because you are walking in brotherly love. You're doing such a great job. Man, wouldn't that be, that'd be awesome to hear? We want to hear that. That's what we're supposed to hear because love should be, that is the law that we live by, love. Everything is done out of, out of a result of love. Paul says these guys are living in that way. This isn't a this isn't a, uh, a kind of love that, that is generated by our flesh. It's a supernatural kind of love that's generated by the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love. And out of love, if, if love has manifested itself through us, it's going to look uh, in the it's going to manifest these various different other things. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The Holy Spirit is the key to loving the way that, we're called to as believers did you know that the Holy Spirit uh, that, that God is poured uh, into our hearts through the Holy Spirit his love Romans chapter 5 verse 5 God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us do I need more love negative you have the Holy Spirit you already have his love inside of you so what do I need? Surrender to the Holy Spirit. That's what we need. We need to die to the flesh and allow the Spirit to live. That, that's what we need to do. If we're not walking in love today, it's purely because we're choosing to resist the Holy Spirit and allow His fruit to come out in our, lo- our lives. That's why we're not, not exhibiting the kind of love that He's talking about. We're resisting the Spirit of God. And if you keep doing that, what will end up happening is your conscience will be seared, and then you won't feel it at all. You won't, you won't hear it at all. You won't feel like there's something missing at all. It's a dangerous place to be. We don't want to be that way. We want to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit smacks you upside the head and says, dude, you're being unloving, then you need to say, God, forgive me first, repent, and then you need to say, Lord, help me. I want to surrender this situation to you right now. Maybe it's a person maybe it's you know somebody in your life that he's saying listen you gotta you gotta die to yourself in this situation you gotta love this person i don't know if i can do that oh you can you can it's not that i don't know if i can do that it's i don't know if i want to do that that's really the 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 wordage there you can do it you're unwilling to do it if you don't do it which is a rejection of god we want to live by the lord so he, he goes on here and he tells us, man, this, these, these people were walking in love. They don't need to be written about, about that. So, and he, he urges them more and more to keep doing that. Verse 11, and to aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs and to work with your hands and to instruct you so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. So, what he's saying is this love is going to manifest itself in four different ways. First, he, he's saying, aspire to live quietly, it's an interesting phrase. Because in one sense, Paul is saying strive eagerly. Like make this your mandate. Like do, be, be aggressive in this. Be very, very aggressive <laughs> in, in living quietly before people. It's kind of like what Jesus said, you know, do all that you can to live at peace with all men. Right? When he means live quietly, he doesn't mean don't, don't share your faith or anything like that. What he means is try and be di- as disruptive as, as you possibly can in people's lives. Be sensitive to people. You know, some, some of us are really good at just walking around like, hey, I don't care who's in my path, I'll just plow them over. He can't, that's not, he's saying, do your, do your best to live quietly among men. Do your best to, to live at peace with people. Be careful about how you, you, you live. We should live in such a way that in our quietness, people see the power, the impact, the Holy Spirit in our lives. Secondly, he goes on, he says, mind your own business. (laughs) Mind your own business. That's a good word. That's a really good word for churchgoers. Mind your own business. Don't gossip about people. Don't get in other people's business. Don't let everybody else know everybody's business either. Just stay out of people's business. Listen, that isn't to say that we're not supposed to be in each other's lives because that's contrary to Scripture. But what it means is that when, somebody, when there's things going on in somebody's life, you know, and, and you're not invited into that, don't invite yourself. Don't invite yourself into that situation and then invite other people into it too. Hey, oh, we got to, we, you know, the prayer, prayer meeting, all of a sudden it turns into a gossip session about somebody's life. No. No, be careful about what you're, mind your own business. Don't be a busybody. Don't make it your business to know everybody else's business. Thirdly, don't be idle. Work with your hands. Paul and Timothy and Silas, he said, they've already said, look, we made this a, a, a um, you know, we displayed this before you guys. We worked night and day for you. Finally, walk properly before outsiders. Live with integrity. Live with integrity, plain and simple. Do the right thing. When you don't do the right thing, admit it and then do the right thing. Just do the right thing. Listen, if you blow it and you, for whatever you've done, you, you blow it, you go and make it right. That's the right thing to do. You know, you, you, you transgress against your brother or your sister, go tell them. Hey, man, I need you to forgive me for this. I know it's not easy. You know what makes it harder? Pride. Pride makes everything harder. That's why we need to live at, this, at the feet of Jesus in a humble position, recognizing, like, man, Lord, you're the only thing I got going for me. You're the only thing I got going for me. Paul says, walk properly before outsiders. Listen, you might be the last representative of Christ that somebody may see. No pressure. But seriously, every step that you take on this earth matters. Every word that you say matters. You know, everything that you do matters. It has some kind of eternal ramification. It might be good, it might be bad. And you're not going to do it perfectly. That's not really what he's saying. He's saying, do everything that you can do. And when you do blow it, make it right but make sure you walk properly. There's so many Christians that have, that, that, that flap their gums, that speak this words of life and they live their lives like they're going to hell. It's like, how, does, how do you reconcile that? You can't. So be careful. And, and the exhortation is simple. Keep on walking. Listen, for some of us here today, we're doing great. We're walking with the Lord. We're being faithful. You know, every situation we find ourselves in, it's not easy. Jesus didn't say it was going to be easy. He said it's a hard road, but you're doing well. You know, keep on walking. Keep on doing more and more. Keep on doing what you're doing. And yet for others of us here this, this morning, maybe maybe we need the exhortation uh, that we need to, to start doing these things. Maybe we've stopped doing these things. Maybe we've slipped into a place of complacency. We've thought that we arrived spiritually and now we're kind of just coasting listen today is the day that you need to put your foot back on the pedal because if it is not on the pedal you're going backwards period if you are not progressing forward you are growing backward there is no neutral place in in the body of christ you're either going forward or you're going backward which direction are you going this morning the lord is exhorting us to keep on walking so if you're not, repent, turn to the Lord this morning and say, Lord, I need to, I, I need to be walking uh, in, in this way and empower me to do so. And he will. But the, but the mandate is simple, man. Just keep on walking. Amen? Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for your grace that is here, Lord. And we ask, Father, that you help us respond. In an appropriate way this, this morning. You're, you've allowed us, Lord, the privilege to hear. And now, will you help us to apply your word? By the power of your spirit, Lord, we pray that you just continue to move in this place. We just want to honor you, glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen.